Into the Great Scott Show. Good morning. It is October the 18th. I am happy to have you with me this morning. The greatest month on the sports calendar. We are right in the thick of it. MLB playoffs. Championship series. The Braves walk it off again. Oh, my goodness. Dodgers in an 0-2 hole. It has been uh, wild in that one. We'll talk about that more in the uh, in the 8 o'clock hour. You know, typically on a Monday during football season, the Saints will play on a Sunday. It'll be a busy NFL slate, and, you know, we'll kind of hit on the Saints, and then we'll hit on some college football and what UL did, what LSU did, and then, you know, we'll kind of go from there. Well, the Saints didn't play yesterday, and outside of really three games, it was it was a stinker of a day in the NFL. Dodger, uh, excuse me, Dodgers, Cowboys, Patriots was really good, really exciting. Um, the end of the Minnesota Carolina game had some thrills, and then last night, if you stayed up, you saw another overtime game, and it was, it was okay. I mean, some kind of bad vibes in that game. It was weird, and the injury late was uh, was unfortunate. Um. But I would say that uh, you know, and you could maybe maybe you enjoy the London game. I didn't really watch that one. Apparently, it was close between two horrible football teams. But today isn't going to you know might hit on the NFL a little bit, but unlike a lot of Mondays in the fall, so Major League Baseball playoffs, but college football kind of dominated the headlines this weekend, did it not? I mean the. Let's just start with Coach O. LSU somehow, with all of their backups. All right, I'm being a little dramatic. With a lot of backups. I mean, you had a lot. Of, you have multiple All-Americans just out with injuries. And they somehow beat Florida again. LSU, who is fourth to last in the country in rushing yards as a team. Horrendous. I mean, going into Saturday, arguably the worst rushing team in the country. Because the other teams that were behind them, they don't even try to run the ball. LSU, you know, actually would like to run the ball. And guess what? They did. Tyrion Davis-Price sets a, a new school record all-time most rushing yards in a game with 287. Surpassing Darius Geis, who's not in the record books at LSU anymore. They just listed as LSU. That was a wild game. Bunch of turnovers. It was just a wild and crazy game. And before and after, everyone's like, oh, well, you know, Coach, he's probably out. Oh, you know, they won. Okay, that's good. But, you know, he's out. And then news comes out yesterday that, yes, indeed, he is out. He will coach until the end of the season. And, and as I said to people last week, they would ask, I said, Coach O doesn't strike me as a guy that would agree to just step down now. And they're not going to fire him during the season because the buyout will go down quite a bit. Still going to be a hell of a lot of money. They're going to let them, you know, they're going to wait till the end of the season and do it. And so to take away the constant perpetual, well, what's going to happen here? And it constantly having to answer the question and everything else. They just went ahead and got out in front of it and said, yeah, he's going to be gone at the end of the season. There'll be a $16.95 million buyout. And at the end of the season, we've agreed to it. Here it is. We're going to sign it. I mean, they had a press conference, and he was just like, yeah, you know, I'm content, going to work hard, and now I have enough money to buy me a hamburger. Maybe I'll just go spend time with my kids and blah, blah, blah. 
Coach O is 49 and 17 over six seasons at LSU. Getting paid $9 million this year. And it's not a surprise. Off the field, the situation surrounding Darius Geis and the Coach O didn't report allegations of sexual misconduct, even though he was, you know, Les Miles was the head coach at the time. I was on the staff and other things. And then guys was on the team and a lot of different stuff happening, nasty stuff. And then his off the field personal life and reports that he had, you know, girlfriends that would be at practice and their children would interfere or take part in drills and all this stuff, you know, I, I don't I don't necessarily agree with things that Coach O did in his personal life. It's his personal life. And everybody that's, you know, pointing their finger and saying, shame, shame, shame. The reality is, if LSU was undefeated, if they were 7-0 and and ranked number three in the country, nobody would care. I shouldn't say nobody would care. Most people would not care. It would not be a story. It would not be a thing. You know, it's true. So now it's official. So the whole exercise of, okay, who replaces Coach O just gets heightened even more. And there are plenty of lists out there, and typical names come up on the list. Luke Fickle, James Franklin, Mario Cristobal, Lane Kiffin, Billy Napier. Names on list written by various pundits across the country. I don't know what Scott Woodward's going to do. I just know the conversation only picks up while Coach O continues to coach, what, six more games? Five more games? Five more games. Unless they go to a bowl, he'll coach that one. They ain't going to a bowl. Mention Lane Kiffin there. Speaking of Lane Kiffin, holy bleep. The scene at Nayland Stadium was nasty. Emotional game, Lane Kiffin returns to the scene of the crime. Returns to Knoxville after he was there for one season and then split in the middle of the night to head to USC years ago. Emotional levels were high, and Ole Miss beats Tennessee 31-26. Fourth and 26 play by the Vols comes up just short. Fans didn't like after hours, after hours, after weeks of just buildup, after years of just emotional buildup about Lane Kiffin. A lot of Vols fans just lost it. Expletives. Things being thrown. Water bottles, vape pipes, screws, partially eaten fruit. An empty mustard bottle, a golf ball that Lane Kiffin said he's keeping as a souvenir. I mean, they they had to, 54 seconds still left in the game. Then they finished it and they got him off. And it was, I mean, there were some old missed cheerleaders that were hit with things. The SEC released a statement, you know, saying, we've got it up on our website, ESPN1420.com and the ESPN1420 app. It was nasty, though. It was nasty. Bad scene. And, you know, to have somebody like Lane Kiffin who is able to sort of, I don't want to say make, kind of make, well, yeah, make light of things or, or, or. Actually- 
things or just be kind of goofy, the fact that he was able to sort of walk the line between this is inappropriate and this behavior shouldn't be tolerated and sort of make jokes and try to lighten the mood with the whole thing. I mean, as he's walking off the, the field, somebody just beelined a water bottle straight at him, and he just Odell to just put his hand up, snagged it. But um, fortunately, fans didn't charge the field. Things were thrown, though. And uh, SEC just said, look, we're going to review policies and see about imposing policy so it doesn't happen again. Okay. 11 after the hour. It was nasty. But college football, a lot to get into. Sort of took the, uh, took the front seat this weekend. There were some memorable high school games over the weekend as well. Going to dig into that. As I mentioned, playoffs. Astros win a thriller. Then the next day, Boston back-to-back grannies early in the game. Braves, two walk-offs against the Dodgers. Are you kidding me? They're up 2-0. Brad Topham going to join me in about an hour. Talk about his favorite team, who he didn't think would win the series. I bet he feels different now, though. But up next, Louisiana's Raging Cajuns. Ranked 28th in the AP poll if you count beyond 25. If you go down where it says below top 25, where it says also receiving votes, you'll see the schools that are also receiving votes. Louisiana right there. They're close to being back in the top 25. They've got a game this Thursday on the road in Jonesboro against Arkansas State. And the head football coach, Billy Napier, joins me next Right here for a one-on-one. I'm Scott Prather. Coach Napier next. It's ESPN 1420, ESPN1420.com, and the ESPN 1420 app. Amani Bailey gets the carry, breaks free. 10-5, touchdown, Louisiana. When it's going, you keep it going, Jay, and that's what Billy Napier and this offensive staff and all these offensive players are doing. They just continue to find a way to pound the ball. This time, outside zone. We got backflips going on in the end zone. That'll ESPN 1420, ESPN 1420.com, and the ESPN 1420 app. Joining me now, as promised, the head coach of Louisiana Ragin' Cajun Football, Billy Napier. Good morning, Coach. How are you? I'm sorry, Coach. I'm not on my A game this morning. Let me turn on your pot here. Let's try this again. Good morning, Coach. How are you? Good morning, Coach. How are you? I'm doing great, Scott. How about you, man? I'm doing well, man. I'm doing well. I appreciate you coming on. Uh, Before we, we, we dig into UL football, I just wanted to open up, get it out of the way. Um, Coach Ogeron is going to be leaving LSU at the end of the season. A lot of pundits put out lists of different candidates, you know, six, seven, eight people. And it's not, you know, uncharted waters for you, but your name ends up on these lists. Does that, do you pay attention to that? Do you care to comment it at all? Or are you just kind of focused on the task at hand? Well, I mean, I think the first thing I'd like to say is uh, just a really difficult and unfortunate situation, you know. Um, just speaking on behalf of our staff and our organization, um, Ed Orgeron has been an absolute class act, you know, in all my interactions with him. I can't uh, thank him enough for all the things that he's done to help us. You know, we've had a chance to uh, work together in a lot of ways uh, over the last couple of years, and he certainly helped our program. So we're thankful for that. Um, you know, these are tough situations um, and one that is a reality 
uh, in this dynamic of college football. It's just extremely competitive. Um, and, you know, I think that any time that your name gets brought up in these situations, it, it's uh, humbling. Uh, but more importantly, it's a reflection of hundreds of people, right? We have uh, lots of people that come to work each day here uh, that aren't on those lists. You know, we've got a terrific staff. We've got an unbelievable group of players uh, and a support staff and a lot of people within and throughout our organization that take a lot of pride in their role, how they contribute to the team, uh, and certainly have al- allowed us to have some success here. Uh, and that's what that's a product of. So um, we certainly, you know, I think anything outside of that would be a complete distraction. You know, I think I owe it to the people that I come to work for every day uh, to have a singular focus on our task and our next opportunity. Uh, and if you can't do that, then I think it affects your team and your organization. So we're focused on uh, our next opportunity, certainly humble. Uh, but, you know, our thoughts are with Coach Orgeron uh, and certainly the staff. I know these are difficult times. Billy Napier, our guest, ESPN 1420, as you said, um, you know, working on the task at hand that's ahead of you. I- I'll only ask you one more question about the game last week, as I know it was, you know, last Tuesday. Uh, that locker room celebration, Coach, when you get kind of lifted up and thrown up like that, like, is there – how does it feel? Like, do you, do you, does your balance kind of get off, or does it just do you feel weightless? I've never had that happen to me before. Yeah. Well, the first thing is you can't get down, right? So <laughs> once they get you up there, uh, you're stuck. So you make the best of it. But um, you know, we we uh, I'm thankful uh, to be a part of our team. You know, uh, really appreciate uh, all the people here that we have uh, that work extremely hard. You know, players and staff included. Uh, and, you know, th- those are special moments, you know, ones that I think um, you, know, you need to enjoy those, right? And I certainly challenge our players to do that, right? Work hard, play hard, and uh, certainly, um, you know, finally kind of put it together and play to our expectations. And, you know, I think that's something to celebrate. Extra days again this week between games, you know, more than a typical game week. How is that handled, Coach? Any different or kind of the same formula you've used the week prior? You know, we we, um, gave the players off a day, um, you know, and then we we kind of moved forward, put the game to bed, you know, lift and ran. uh, And then we kind of started our ISD format here in preparation for Arkansas State. We're in the second half of the season, so, um, you know, today will be be a deload day for us. Yesterday was a Wednesday. Um, You know, so we're moving our way way through our preparation here, and uh, so far, so good. ESPN1420.com, I played the uh, the clip of uh, Amani Bailey's touchdown. Um, I asked Levi Lewis after the game if he had ever seen Amani do a flip. He laughed and he said, "No, but I, uh, I, I missed it. I was cel- I was kind of celebrating with Shane, but I think the coaches might talk to him. Uh, did you did you talk to Amani about that flip after the touchdown? Yeah, no, Amani's uh, Amani's a great kid. Um, he got caught up a bit there. Um, I encourage our players to push the envelope from a celebration standpoint. You know, we want to play with great energy. I just want them to do it on the side, you know. And uh, certainly any time you 
um, you know, lose your poise and do something that compromises the team. I think there's a lesson there. Um, that's not what Imani Bailey's about, you know, and, and he certainly understands that, fully comprehends uh, what that 15 yards does to our kickoff team and our defense. So we just got to keep our poise and, and, you know, run off the field about 40 yards there and do that celebrating on the sideline, and uh, we're all good. There you go, Coach Napier, our guest. As far as the run game goes, Coach, you've said it. Uh, I'm paraphrasing here, but you've talked about the identity, right? What what you I think you've said what we want to do at Louisiana. You know, we, we want to be able to run the football and do it with authority. Um, the offensive line, you know, some new coaches that you've referenced on that side of it. And then, of course, in the running backs room, you have Coach Jabar Jaluk, who's been there a number of years. In terms of the staff, particularly when it comes to the run game, um, what, 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 what's unfolded for it to sort of, I guess, all come together last week, and and why is it so important to you that that is identity when it comes to raging Cajun football? Well, I mean, I think our that group has played well um, the majority of the year. You know, the Nichols um, game was a huge disappointment relative to how we played up front, but outside of that. Um, you know, we've worked our way through a number of injuries. You know, we lost four offensive linemen for the season. Um, you know, we juggle the lineup a little bit, the rotation a little bit, and we've got two new coaches, right? So Jeff Nord and Darnell Stapleton are in year one. Uh, and there's always, you know, some evolution that comes with that. You know, uh, everything's new for them, you know, going all the way back to the beginning of the off season. So, new voices in the room, new leadership, and they've done a fantastic job. So, um, you know, I think once we've kind of settled in uh, with A.J. Gilly at left guard and Ken Marks at left tackle, you know, three veterans at center, right guard, and right tackle. But it's important to know that running the ball is not just uh, the offensive line. You know, I mean, you have to get really good play uh, from every position group. You know, you got to play well. On the edges, you know, the tight end group carries a big burden when it comes to rushing the ball, and they do a really good job. There's a lot going on in that in that room. Our backs have to have really good eye-discipline, eye foot uh, work, uh, and got to be decisive and play with the right disposition. You know, I think there's there's a mentality there that we've had at running back that Coach Saluk instills in our players that's benefited our team. And then it oftentimes gets overlooked, but the receivers have got to do a good job at the point of attack, blocking force, and they did a really good job in the Appalachian State game. So, uh, and don't forget the quarterback. You know, oftentimes he's controlling the perimeter. Um, you know, the pressures. You know, with outlet screens, he's run pass option and defenders, uh, and maybe uh, even reading a defender on the backside. So. Um, I think Levi's ability to kind of distribute the ball in the run game is a big part of what we do, Uh, and he was certainly on his game the other night. So it requires a lot of synchronization by every group, and when we're doing it right, it's it's a beautiful thing to watch. ESPN 1420, Rage Occasion head coach Billy Napier is our guest. You told us last week after the victory that when you have a performance like that, it can present – a new set of challenges, um, and I, I think most understood what you meant by that, but to offer a little specificity, 
what <laughs> what kind of challenges did it present and and how have you guys handled it up to this point well i think it's a you know i think that um in life in general right i think uh, it's important that we respond to uh the positive and the negative you know with the same level of poise uh, we cannot allow it to affect who we are as people, you know, and can affect our routine, can affect our attitude, it can affect our self-discipline. Uh, we've got to stay the course. We've got to remember the things that allowed us to have success. And we got to remember the emotions and the feelings of disappointment that we had when we didn't have success, you know. So keeping perspective is a big part of, um, competitive athletics, right? You got to play through the ups and downs. Um, you got to have a lot of confidence in who you are and how you do things. So I think, um, you know, we, we need to stay focused. Uh, we need to execute our plan every day, you know, uh, and certainly bring the same level of urgency uh, to the meetings, to the walkthrough, and more importantly, the practice. Uh, habits one rep at a time each day. We got to continue to improve if we're going to go where we're uh, where we want to go. So we're halfway through here, and uh, we've always taken great pride here in improving as the season goes. Right? Uh, we want to get hot at the right time. We want to be in contention when we get to November and be in, be playing our best football. Uh, and certainly we've got work to do to get there. If you don't work for it, uh, time can't help you. No question about it. Arkansas State coach, um, I know they're not having the season that they hope for to this point, but what have you seen on film from them, and uh, what, what stands out to you before you guys take on the Red Wolves this Thursday night? Well, I think you really got to evaluate this team independent of the stats and the the record, you know, I mean, they got some they're a dangerous team, and they've got a lot of explosive players on both sides of the ball. You know, I, I don't, I can't answer all the questions, um, you know, about their team. But what I do know is when I turn the tape on, I see big, I see fast, I see physical, I see very capable. Um, you know, this is a team that has a lot of veteran players that are coming back that we've played against in the past that are good players. Uh, and they've also added, I think, around 25 or 30 transfer players to their team. You know, so, um, you know, there's good-looking athletes on the tape. And, um, you know, I don't know. I don't necessarily know what the issues are. But I know that if they do get it together, they can be dangerous. So um, they stand in the way of what we want to do, you know, and that's the most important thing. It's a Western Division opponent. Uh, these games count double. Uh, in our division, you know, it's important that we win these games. So we got to go play at their place. They've had an open date, and uh, it's going to require us to be at our best. Louisiana Raging Cajun head coach Billy Napier, our guest. I'm Scott Prather. <clears throat> Excuse me. A few more for you, Coach. And this is more, I guess, maybe a question about just having some pride. I'm sure you you do take pride when you see a, a former player of yours, um, you know, succeed in life, whatever it might be. And there's a number of guys that played at UL that are playing in the NFL. But when you see a, a kid like Nick Ralston, who, you know, you coached at Arizona State, you coached at UL, and pandemic hits, he doesn't really get, you know, drafted, doesn't get the camp invite. The next year, he gets into camp for the Cowboys, then fights his way into the practice squad, and then 
gets called up and signed to the active 53-man roster. Um, I know he's still got a lot of journey in front of him, but boy, that is um, – you're talking earlier about just putting in the work. When you see a, a kid that, that you've coached, that you know on a personal level, reach those heights, um, how does it feel for you? Well, I mean, I think, you know, Nick Ross is very deserving. You know, I've always had a lot of confidence in um, who he is as a person and the type of athlete, type of football player. Um, One of the more impressive things about Nick was just his effort, uh, his loyalty to the team, you know, his toughness and durability, you know, always down on uh, and certainly was a great practice player and showed up and played with an edge. Uh, like few do in this game, you know, for us. So former high school running back that kind of made that transition to kind of H-back tight end for us, and now he's playing fullback and special teams for the Cowboys. But, you know, it kind of went through a unique deal there with COVID. Uh, There were hundreds of players that, because of the restrictions, missed out on opportunities to go through rookie minicamp and training camp. So he stayed the course, man, stayed in shape. Um, you know, got ready for his next opportunity, and when given that opportunity, uh, has made the most of it. So it's no surprise to me. I always felt like he would make a team, um, and certainly happy for him. And you know, he he represents everything that uh, our organization is about. Coach Napier, our guest, uh, Coach, you you can confirm this. Are you also coaching on the side, perhaps a, a girls' basketball team a little bit? Is that true? Yeah, actually, uh, during COVID, I had an opportunity to help out with Annie's team, uh, just kind of taking advantage of not being able to go on the road recruiting, um, you know, not having official visits every weekend. So uh, we're not playing basketball right now, but certainly in the future, I'm hopeful that we'll be playing. So, but um, I don't know, uh, I don't know how good of a basketball coach I am, but. Uh, Certainly, a lot of fun. I can tell you that. What's What's the difference in coaching uh, young girls and uh, and coaching <laughs> uh, college aged men football? Uh, you'd be surprised. I don't know that there's a lot of difference, uh, but you know, in general, you know, it's just fun to be be around your kids. You know, I mean, heck, uh, and to see them compete, to see them learn and get better. I mean, you know, it's it's more about those things than anything else. Final coaching question and final question for you. Um, we've talked about your father and the lessons learned from him and him being a former coach. What's the biggest lesson football's taught you, and is it different now as a coach than it was back when you were a player? Oh, yeah, it's completely different. I mean, I think um, the older I get, um, the more foolish I realize I was, if that makes sense. Um you know, I just think the longer you go, the more you realize that, you know, we're only here for so long, right? We get an opportunity, you know, what an incredible platform, um, you know, in the coaching profession. You know, I think it's important that we come to work each day. We realize, um, you know, what an opportunity we have to impact people with the words we say, with the actions that we take. Uh, the old quote, the measure of who we are is what we do with what we have, right? So just think we want to have a place that really makes an impact on not only the players but the staff, you know, and, and I'm hopeful that this game uh, with the things that it can teach you 
uh, can really be the difference, you know. And, and we talk a lot about culture here. You know, it's unique to our community, but I think it also speaks to, um, you know, what we're about. You know, we, we define that for the players, right? It's a set of beliefs that drives behavior, uh, and eventually that provides results. You know, and I think it's a living thing, right? It's embedded in the people, Um you know, I think the people, the veterans on our team and on our staff, they get they have to choose to pass it on. Uh, it's not something that you you can just say out loud or write on paper, uh, but it's something that continues to evolve. So we play a special game, you know, and uh, there's nothing like it. You know, there's so many people involved that have a role and contribute. Um, you know, and it, it takes a team, and we're very fortunate that we've got a a lot of great people that make up our team. Louisiana Raging Cajun football coach Billy Napier has been our guest. He joins us Mondays right here on the Great Scott Show. And I know a little more difficult this week for you, Coach, with the schedule being off, but really appreciate the time as always. All the best, and we'll talk to you next Monday. All right, Scott. Thank you, man. I'll see you around. All right. Sounds good. That is Louisiana Raging Cajun head football coach Billy Napier. Good stuff from him and a lot to rehash there, which we'll do in the next segment. Dig back into the weekend that was in college football. A few things regarding coaches' contract I've seen on social media that aren't accurate. I'll clear that up as well. Very entertaining baseball, especially if you're a Braves fan. I'm not, but shout out to the Braves fans. Holy cow. Taking a look back at the entire weekend in college football at the Sun Belt as well. Don't go anywhere. Great Scott Show continues right after this. Welcome back into the Great Scott Show. I'm Scott Prather. Your weather forecast today from the Storm Team 3 Weather Lab and Daniel Phillips. Partly cloudy, high of 77 tonight. Partly cloudy, low of 57. My favorite weather. This is shorts and hoodie weather. I got my Pelicans hoodie on. They tip off Wednesday. Regular season, anyway. Got my shorts on. Love this weather. Football weather, baby. Appreciate Coach Napier coming on. Tell you what, man. Not just blowing smoke or anything like that. I mean it when I say Louisiana has one of the best college football coaches in the country. And, you know, asked him about his name appearing on various lists when they list, you know, potential candidates to play so. And and I can replay the clip for you. A little bit later, but, you know, talking about how much Coach O has done for UL and the program and him and how unfortunate the situation is and focusing just on the task at hand and being right. I mean, he he means what he says. 
And, um, you know, in terms of, of the team this year, trying to get hot at the right time, trying to hit their stride at the right time, how do you respond to what you did last week when you're playing an opponent this Thursday, an opponent that, you know, frankly, is is has lost five in a row, is struggling. An opponent, you know, you're going on the road, but, you know, you're a 17-point favorite. How do you battle again? There's a lot of... Yes, Jay says, shorts and hoodie weather, weird combination. Hey, I'm a weird guy. I'm a weird guy. That's how I like it. Um, you know, there's there, when the Coach O news came down yesterday, all it did was heighten debate on social media that was that that had already been in, running rampant for a while and, and in terms of, you know, who should be the next head coach at LSU. Um, who should be the next head coach? Should it be Luke Fickle? Should it be, uh, you know, as if as if they could just get whoever they want? But the idea is, who should they go after? You know, should it be James Franklin? Should it be Eric Bieniemy? Should it be, um, you know, Billy Napier's names on there? Obviously, should it be? You could go on and on. Should it be Dave Aranda? There's just, you know, I'm missing others. Lane Kiffin, six, seven, eight guys. None of them really unusual names you would expect to see on there. Um, but there was some some back and forth on Twitter about Napier's contract, including, oh, well, if a, if a school ever were to hire him away as part of the buyout, that school would then have to play a home-and-home home with UL. And I can tell you that that is not true. That is not accurate. Uh, that is not in the contract. I don't Personally, I don't think that's going to um, matter. I don't think it's going to come to that. Take that for what it is. But just to clear that up, there's some folks that might have seen that online. You can tweet the show at ESPN1420. You can email us, scott at ESPN1420.com. Tom emails. says, Scott, I appreciate you talking to Coach Napier every Monday. I look forward to it each week. As a Raging Cajun alum, I can honestly say he's the best coach this program has ever had, and we've had some good ones. People might forget it from back in the day. I've been a UL supporter for over 40 years Tom, Tom, thanks for the email. Appreciate you listening. Guys, keep it coming. Scott at ESPN1420.com. All right, let's head to the phone lines. Good morning. Welcome into the show. Hello. Hey, good morning, Scott. Hey, Mitch, how are you? I'm pretty good. Hey, Scott, I'll, I'll second that with the, uh, with the person that you just read, the information. Coach Napier calling in on the Monday program. A lot of good information. Um, when I listen to Coach Napier talk, not only about football, but I'll say just about the game of life, of being a parent, a dad, you know, and coaching the kids and all that stuff. You know, it's a humbling situation when you listen to it because – it has football in it when he speaks of his own kids. And it's a process that it even includes coaching. He's actually raising his kids, as so many of us do, and he's coaching at the same time, and his kids probably don't even know it, but he's actually coaching them like he do the athletes at the university level. With that said, I'll give him his just due today. Coach Napier, 
I'm Coach Mitchell, you are a class act. I've been watching you very closely. Coach Napier, I go back a long ways with a lot of things in sports ever since I was a young kid, and I'm going to make this short. And that, the things, the attributes, and, and all that package that you got in that suitcase of yours, you come to work with it, and you lay it down, and you start to delegate this to all your coaches, the staff, et cetera, and everybody involved with the university here in Lafayette, UL. I don't see this. I just envision that that's what you do. And apparently everybody seems to get it. They seem to understand that, guys, if we all work this system out here and we dedicate ourselves to it and put some stick-to-itness to it and some sweat in the game, blood, the blood, sweat, and tears, Guys, anything can happen with the support that people around here are willing to sacrifice and give to us and even come and drive and sit in the bleachers. Not only do they give money, donations, but they come, they sit because they care. And Coach Napier, he, he reminds me about how much he cares about people about communities, about your university. All right, Mitch. And somebody like that is all worth it. So on behalf of many of us, we say, keep it up, God, as you all coach, keep it up. Good leadership. Oh, and by the way, if they ever come to you about the LSU job, coach, <laughs> hey, think about the red and the white. Thank you, sir. Bye-bye. Coach Mitch has spoken on a Monday morning. ESPN1420.com. Phone lines are open, 269-1077, 269-1077. Tell you what, man, they have some, a uh, lot, of, lot of good stuff, a lot of good football over the weekend. Larry emails, Scott, did you catch any of the high school football on Friday? I did. Tell you what, man, I was listening to that Turlings STM game over on our sibling station, News Talk 96.5 KPL. Talk about a thriller. Your STM won it 41-35. You had – there were better high school games this week than there were NFL games. Again, in the NFL yesterday, you had three entertaining games. I'd say four entertaining games, but only two sort of good ones. A lot of stinkers. A lot of stinkers. But – yeah, man, STM Turlings, that was an awesome game. Ascension Episcopal, I mean, going toe-to-toe with Southern Lab, almost came back and won that game, fell by two. Um, you know, Acadiana dominated. But, no, there there was some some really, really good games. Erath, that was a close one by one. No, I, you know, I, by the time Monday gets here, again, during football season in the month of October where you got Major League Baseball, and more on Major League Baseball coming up next hour. Brad Topham's going to join me for a little while around 8.15 to talk about the Braves walking it off again. It was, uh, it, it sometimes it gets it gets lost in the sauce a little bit. It's funny, speaking of getting lost in the sauce, I mean, LSU's actual win against Florida. 49-42, just an absolutely wild game, got lost in the sauce by the time Sunday afternoon rolled around because of the Coach Owens. Let's head back to the phone lines. Final call of the 7 o'clock hour. Good morning. Hello. 
Hey, good morning. How are you, Kyle? Oh, well, I've been with no uh, no Saints football this weekend. I was just wondering what the topic of conversation was going to be this week. Well, most of the uh, talk this hour has been uh, college football, as you know. and um, uh, yeah. Oh, has it? Yeah. Anything big happened this weekend? Well, you, I know, mean, little, you know, I know little, UL won last little, Tuesday. A little, little, little something happened in Baton Rouge yesterday. Oh, all the only well, thing well, that the only thing that happened yesterday was all it did was heighten the discussion that was already being had. That's all. That's all. That's all that really happened yesterday. Well, I'm going to say this, okay? Uh, if you don't mind, I'm, I don't know. I can't say. say okay, I, I can't say I don't what? mind until I hear what you have to say first. So, well, well, first of all, first of all, I would like to know this guy Woodward. He was where was he now? He was at Washington and A and M, right? Yeah, he was most recently at Texas A and M. That is correct. Yeah, well, but I mean, before that, he was at Washington. And yeah. what what didn't he hire Steve Sarkeesian? Yeah, he hired. Sure he, 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 he uh, no, yes, it was his first. That was his first hire. Uh, he also hired Chris Peterson yeah. uh, out of Boise State. Well, I'm just going. I'm just going to ask this question: How long? I mean, I know he's been the athletic director at these two schools at and then LSU. We've been an athletic director, boy, going on pretty close to 20 years now. It seems like 15 years or something like that. 2007. 2007 was his first year as an active AD. Okay, so he's in his 14th, 15th year mm-hmm. as an athletic director. I'd like to know, out of all the major sports. How many national titles has any coach won with him as athletic director? I don't know. I don't know Washington and Texas A&M. I bet you, I, I, I'm going to go out on a limb, way out on a limb, and say zero. Zero. Nada, 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 nothing. They, it, he has done absolutely nothing for any of those schools to help them win anything. But I know what he's done at LSU. He's forced out a national championship baseball coach, which you can say whatever you want to say. I'm going to say that the reason why the man let me let me, no let, me uh, let me let me correct you, Kyle. During Woodward's tenure at Washington, the Huskies won seven national championships. <laughs> okay. Yeah, well, well, and what I'm was sorry. It, what was I'm in? sorry. You said I'm willing to bet zero, and it's actually seven. I mean, even what your next question is, I just I'm sorry. Seven but that's national funny. championships, and what was that in? Men's, men's, men's and women's crew, women's cross country, and softball. All right. Wow. Okay. Here we go. You're trying well, to. You're trying. You're you know, trying. You're trying to suggest that he's not good at his true. Come on. Huh? Well, I mean, the LSU golf team. Get ready, LSU golf Come on. team. You're trying to, you're see, you're trying to, su- you're trying to suggest he's not good at his job, and that's not true. That's not true. Okay. Well, on a, in a sport, let's put a, let's talk about a sport. And and, and if you're measuring now. every AD in the country solely on only national titles, but only in a few sports, as now you're well, doing, I mean, I think you're. I, I think that's a bit well, too, I'll tell too you hard what, of a curve. You're measuring there. it. They're mad or they, they they sure as hell didn't mind measuring Ed Ogeron national titles. They didn't they didn't mind measuring Paul Monario national titles. That wasn't too that wasn't too tough. 
Come on, man. But we, but, but uh, as young you know what that guy reminds me of? He reminds Come me on. of the general manager the Saints had before they got Mickey Loomis, the one from Seattle. Randy Mueller? That's what he reminds you. Randy Mueller was the GM of the Saints for three years. And that is about how long Woodward's going to last. <laughs> oh, stop it. Come at LSU. But I'm going to make I'm going to make a prediction All for right. LSU All right. fan. All right, go ahead. I'm going to make a prediction for LSU fan. LSU fan, I hope you enjoyed the 2019 National Championship season which was one of the greatest college seasons ever in the history of college football. Actually, the greatest one. I mean, it can, you know, All people right, can on. argue debate it, but yes. it's okay. Yeah. But but because it will be the last one anybody who listens to this program or their children will ever see in any of their lifetimes or an SEC championship. Nobody that listens to this program, I don't care if you're 8 to 80, you will never, ever live to see LSU win another SEC or national championship in the sport of football and most likely not in the sport of baseball either. That's not true. Okay? And that is a promise. No, it's not. You, they have just put themselves. They've just. They've just cursed themselves generationally. Stop and you it. can laugh about it, Scott. I will. But it won't be funny. I will laugh. Six, seven, eight, ten years from now. Oh no! Apparently, apparently, fifty years from now. <laughs> oh, it'll be fifty years from now. Sixty, seven, eight, to eighty. Posters. Huh? 50 it'll 80. be. It'll Come be on. fifty. It'll be 50 years Come on, Kyle. minimum All right. before LSU ever, just like Paul Diesel. Okay? If you if you think you're too big, we're out of time in the 7 o'clock hour. Thank you, Kyle. Look ESPN at, at 1420. ESPN1420.com. We're back. Get another hour. Don't go anywhere. Hey, Raging Cajun fans, this is Louisiana head football coach Billy Napier, and you're listening to the best sports station along the bayou, ESPN 1420, ESPN1420.com, and the ESPN 1420 app. The Great Scott Show. And as they head into the final furlong, all of the other radio stations and radio hosts are left in the wake of a keen turn of speed by the Great Scott Show, the champion. With Scott Prather. Steal the show. On ESPN 1420 and ESPN1420.com. Welcome in to the Great Scott Show, the Great Sports Callers Open Think Tank. Good times on a Monday. Going to talk MLB playoffs coming up in 12 minutes. Brad Topham will join me for a little bit. Kyle's funny sometimes, man. I mean, dog and Scott Woodward. Just dogging him. Guy won nine SEC titles in what four years at AM? LSU will never win another SEC championship, whether you're eight or eighty in your lifetime. That's good. That's funny. Look what happened in Nebraska. I've been in Nebraska. I've been to Lincoln. 
there's coin everywhere. There's not a lot of D1 football players. As much coin as there is in Nebraska, there tends to be D1 football players here in Louisiana. Fertile recruiting ground. Coach Napier's done a great job recruiting. Coach Napier has a great relationship with the high school coaches in the state. His staff does. Louisiana getting votes in the top 25 polls again. 28th in the AP. After their dominant performance last week, last Tuesday, against Appalachian State. Talked to Coach Napier this morning. We covered a lot. Um, and, you know, one thing I asked him about was, hey, look, announced that Coach O is going to be out at LSU at the end of the season. He's going to coach the rest of the year. They've agreed on the buyout, all that stuff. You guys already know what happened yesterday. People were putting together different lists. Some have list of three, others have list of ten, whatever. If you if you if you read different college football websites, writers, pundits, doesn't matter if it's ESPN, twenty four seven sports, Fox Sports, Sports Illustrated, Yahoo Sports. You go, you look at the list, you go to message sports, people argue, they just back and forth, back and forth, da 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 da. Point is Billy Napier's name is on some of those lists. Doesn't mean Woodward will reach out to, to Dr. Mag. Doesn't mean any of that. I, all it means is the name is on a list. Because he's good. I asked him about that. This was his response. Well, I mean, I think the first thing I'd like to say is uh, just a really difficult and unfortunate situation, you know. Um, just speaking on behalf of our staff and our organization, um, Ed Orgeron has been an absolute class act, you know, in all my interactions with him. I can't. Uh, thank him enough for all the things that he's done to help us. You know, we've had a chance to uh, work together in a lot of ways uh, over the last couple of years, and he certainly helped our program. So we're thankful for that. Um, you know, these are tough situations, um, and one that is a reality uh, in this dynamic of college football. It's just extremely competitive. Um, and, you know, I think that any time that your name gets brought up in these situations it, it's uh humbling uh, but more importantly it's a reflection of hundreds of people right we have uh, lots of people that come to work each day here uh, that aren't on those lists you know we've got a terrific staff we've got an unbelievable group of players uh, and a support staff and a lot of people within and throughout our organization that take a lot of pride in their role how they contribute to the team uh, and certainly have al- allowed us to have some success here. Uh, and that's what that's a product of. So um, we certainly, you know, I think anything outside of that would be a complete distraction. You know, I think I owe it to the people that I come to work for every day uh, to have a singular focus on our task and our next opportunity. Uh, and if you can't do that, then I think it affects your team and your organization. So, we're focused on uh, our next opportunity, certainly humble. Uh, but, you know, our thoughts are with Coach Orgeron uh, and certainly the staff. I know these are difficult times. There it is. Whole statement, about two minutes long. <clears throat> he's uh, he's busy preparing for Arkansas State this Thursday. ESPN 1420.com. Emails are open. Scott at ESPN1420.com. You can tweet us as well, at ESPN1420. That's the handle. Doug emails the show. 
Scott, I heard you say you're going to talk MLB about my Astros. Do you think they can win this series? Um, I, I uh, both of the, I felt like both of these series had a really good chance to go the distance. I really did. I really did. Um, I think it's going to be tough for the Strohs. You know, series now shifting to Boston. I mean, Rodriguez can. He, I'm not. I'm not picking the Astros to win the series. No, I'm not. Now that game one was a thriller, and if you can get this thing to a game seven situation in Houston, magic can happen here. But uh, yeah, I, I felt like both of them did, and I, I felt like Boston and LA was kind of heading in that direction too until the Braves had another walk off last night. Unbelievable. Just incredible stuff. We're going to talk to Brad Topham about that coming up in uh, in six minutes. Appreciate the email. Doug, keep it rolling here on a Monday morning. Here's an email from Will. Scott, I have to admit Sunday felt a little boring without the Saints playing. I've heard various speculation about who will return next week in Seattle. Can you give me a rundown of Saints players who could be back in the lineup. I think, uh, appreciate the email, Will. I think the key word there is could, could be back. Because when you look at, let's just look at key players that are out, right? Michael Thomas, Traquan Smith, Teron Armstead, Eric McCoy, David Onyemata, Marcus Davenport, Quan Alexander, Will Lutz. Uh, Onyemata cannot come back next week when the Saints play at Seattle on Monday night because it's the last game of his six-game suspension. So he'll be back on Halloween against Tampa Bay. As far as Michael Thomas and Traquan Smith go, Thomas is eligible to return to practice in Week 7 to come off the pup list, but we don't know if he'll be able to play. Sean Payton, I think, was asked about both players. He said they're close. Well, that can mean a lot of things. You know, if you're David Griffin, the, the the VP of basketball operations in New Orleans, you could say, I never said we thought Zion would be ready for the regular season opener. I just said regular season. At least, at least Sean Payton just leaves words like close, which can be interpreted a number of ways instead of just saying very, very close, probably next week, and then just being like David Griffin saying, no, I just meant like any week. Next week could be the week after that or the week after that. Sorry. Sometimes I just I get lost in my thoughts and get mad at David Griffin. Uh, Pelicans tip off their season Wednesday. But uh, both of those guys could return, but neither, like Smith could be back as early as week seven. Hamstring injury week one. So, again, could. There's no definitive, you know, Teron Armstead and Eric McCoy could be back. Because neither of them got put got put on injured reserve, so they're both, you know, if they're healthy, they can play. I mentioned on Yamada, Marcus Davenport and and Quan Alexander both could return as well. They're eligible to come off of IR. We'll see. Will Lutz, he could be back as early as week seven, but according to various reports, multiple reports, he'll probably need another week or two. So get get <laughs> Get used to the kicking carousel that is the Saints. Oh, kicking. Jeez. Jeez. I mean, is it just me or is it is it just really, really bad this year? Minnesota's kicker, a week after kicking a game winner, missed a game winner. 
Luckily for him, his team won the toss. Kirk Cousins led the Vikings down the field to win in walk-off fashion in overtime against Carolina. Dallas and New England. That that was a lot of stinkers in the NFL yesterday. That was not a stinker. That was highly, highly, highly entertaining. One of the more entertaining games this season. It, five lead changes and ties in the final 10 minutes of the game. A couple of storied franchises. Oh, they got lucky. All oh, this. Hey, man, the breaks fall, seem to fall more for the good teams than the bad. You got to be lucky and good to win in the NFL. And who had the Cardinals as the last undefeated team in the league? Anybody? Won't be long before the 72 Dolphins pop that champagne, but they can't do it just yet. Don't go anywhere. Brad Topham's going to join me for a brief segment to talk MLB playoffs and a little football. College football, the coaching carousel that is, and what's happening at LSU. Talk a little UL as well. It's all coming your way. Don't go anywhere. ESPN 1420. And you can feel what I'm feeling, and it's a musical masterpiece. Hear what I'm dealing with, and that's cool at least. What's running through my mind comes through in my walk. Two feelings are shown from the way that I talk. And this is me, your MC, your MCA. And I still do what I please, and I would like to What up, sports fans? I'm here to remind you that basketball is back, baby. The crossovers, the three-pointers, the dunks, it is here. Basketball is back. I'm fired up. I know you are, too. I love hoops, and I love fantasy sports, and I love winning. DraftKings is the leader in daily fantasy sports. Let me remind you, they're celebrating the return to the hardwood by giving new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes. Look, I do it. Trust me, it's easy. Playing daily fantasy hoops is a piece of cake. You pick your lineup for pro ballers, stay under the salary cap, see how you do. Score big, and you can score big cash. And with a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes, it's the perfect time to show off your basketball IQ, guys. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. What are you waiting for? Best of all, you can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. So download the DraftKings app now and use promo code 1420. This week, new customers can get a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes when you enter promo code 1420 to get that free shot at millions in total prizes. Code 1420 with your first deposit only at DraftKings. Minimum $5 deposit required. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. Welcome back into the Great Scott Show. Joining me now, owner of the Jambalaya Shop, host of Top's Take, color analyst for Raging Cajun Baseball, resident baseball aficionado, Mr. Brad Topham. Also, he's a Braves fan. He roots for teams from Atlanta, which oftentimes bring him disappointment. But last night, that was not the case. The Braves walk it off again to take a 2-0 series lead over the Dodgers in the NLCS. Good morning, Brad. How are you feeling, buddy? Oh, I'm feeling fine. I'm not a Mets fan, so my team's still playing, you know. Hey, look, you know what you know what the benefit of not having the Mets in the postseason is? Is I don't have to stress about it. Uh, it's just like, well, at least I'm not in this, you know, stressful situation. That's oh, that's wow. all that's all that's all I wow. can give you at this point. That's all I can give you. <laughs> that's rough. 
Hey, hey they've already disappointed me, so I don't have to stress about how are they about to disappoint me. You know what I mean? Okay, whatever you say, Slick. Hey, you know, I mean, it's not like the... Uh, so I, I, would, I would imagine, I mean, are you feeling good? You're up 2-0. I mean, I'm okay, but you're playing the best team in baseball. You're playing the deepest team in baseball. You were up 2-0 last year. Last year means nothing about this year, except it does in baseball because it's a confidence game. And, Scott, it's a game of inches, man. People, if you really paid attention to that game last night, three different huge plays, a split-second difference goes the other way. So you just as easy could have lost that game, you know? So it's, it's a game of inches, and every inch went their way last night. Betting on that on a day-in, day-out basis is not good business. ESPN 1420, Brad, top of our guest. The, um, <clears throat> the, the key to this matchup coming up on Tuesday as we, we stick with this, Charlie Morton, uh, Walker Bueller, who you got in game three, series being back in L.A., how much does that factor into how you think the game's going to shape up, if at all? How much does home field advantage play in the postseason? Uh, what are your thoughts on game three? Uh, honestly, the one thing you have to give credit to the Dodgers, even if you hate them, they have a winning culture. That winning culture is showing up throughout the playoffs right now. Jock Peterson, Kike Hernandez. I mean, they just they create a winning culture. And Bueller could legit for the longest time was Cy Young. You know, um, I think they find a way to win. Uh, again, baseball. God, how many how many cliches do we hear from Robe? When it comes to baseball, baseball will even out over time. It will. And every inch with the Braves' weight, at some point, it's going to even out. And I would definitely – I see the Dodgers winning the next one. But I think they come – I really believe that they come back to Atlanta with the Braves up three games to two. But I think the Dodgers get the next one. ESPN1420.com. What is the most overlooked aspect of this series? Something that the main guys, the main pundits aren't talking about? Base running that gets ignored in the regular season is the biggest thing in this in the playoffs. Mookie Betts has created havoc on havoc on the bases. Ozzy Albies has created havoc on the bases. Go look at a lot, all the beginnings. A lot of them have to do with a stolen base, and then you get an intentional walk behind a stolen base to pitch around somebody, but that puts guys and score two guys on base. Stuff like that. Uh, base running has become the persona non grata when it comes to what's important in baseball. The Braves won game one, don't forget, in the ninth inning of a tie game. You got a base hit to right, and the runner at first goes halfway to third and inexplicably stops right in the middle. And the third out's made, and the Braves walk them off instead of having first and third, you know? And then you got a stolen base last night that leads to the run. Base running is the most overlooked park by far. And each team have has weapons in that area. Brad Topham, our guest, ESPN 1420. Uh, in this other series, Houston-Boston, uh, exciting game one. Um, and then, you know, Boston with the, with the grannies in the first two innings, the excitement level wasn't quite there as much on Saturday, at least in my opinion. I know there was a few moments here or there. Oh, maybe, maybe, no. Um, what do you think they have in store tonight? Series shifts back to Boston. And uh, I guess before we do that, what stood out to you most from the first two games of this series? Well, that the American League and the National League uh, Championship Series are polar opposites. 
the American League is new school. Um, if your starter gets three innings, it's a miracle. And the National League starting pitching has you've been really good. Yeah, you know, starting pitching carries the day, and it, it, it's just the way the game is played. And at, at, at the same time, it's why the average run different the average runs in the ALCS will probably be four or five a game more than the NLCS. It's just it's, the games are played two completely different ways, which, by the way, is interesting because the NL, you have to make choices about whether you let your starting pitcher hit or not, and the AL doesn't. So you actually would think it'd be opposite. you got two teams that have a dominant three arms. Now, granted, the way the Dodgers are using their arms is a little suspect, but, you know, that, that to me is the biggest difference. ESPN fourteen twenty, Brad Topham, our guest. Uh, all right, so how are you feeling about the series? Even at one, I still feel like Boston wins it. I uh, I will say this about the Astros, and it's not even really a baseball breakdown as much as sort of a personality trait. I I respect that. I I feel like they kind of lean into the heel persona a little bit. Um, and you could say that maybe about both of these teams, but I I don't know, man. Like America, like I'm. I know there are a lot of Astros fans around here, and the reality is I'm I'm kind of indifferent to them. I mean, I I used to not like them back when they were in the NL and they and the Mets, you know, had some memorable games in the playoffs back in the '80s, and of course, just over the years. But I'm I don't I don't necessarily root for them or against them. I I enjoy what what I what I hope for for the Astros is just stories because I like to see my friends that root for them and their um, strong reactions to that. But just as a casual observer, I lo- I I. I kind of respect the personality of the of how they kind of lean into it a little bit. Am I am I off base here? Is are are both of these teams just heel? Is this a heel versus heel matchup here? Look, uh, one thing you got to respect anybody is for being themselves. The Astros are who the Astros are. Yeah, they are, and so is Boston. And you know what? Do it, and they don't back down from it. So I respect it. You know, it, it, I respect it, and it doesn't bother me for this reason. If that guy was on your team, he'd be that whole concept. Oh, he'd be your heel if he's on your team. So I respect them. They are who they are. And look, how do you argue results when it comes to the Astros? Are you going to bet against Altuve, Correa, Bregman? I mean, these guys—they have no fear. You know, unfortunately, their pitching staff is turning into having no health. Mm-hmm. That's that's ultimately what's going to do them in. You think? Man, look, going into the series, I really I had the Astros and the Dodgers in the World Series, and the only reason I'm deviating from that at all is they're going to the bullpen so often and so early. When you see the same people, look, how those Roddies out the bullpen pitch Altuve isn't going to change from game two to game seven. They're going to attack him the same way. Hitters get smart. They have all the video. They will learn. I don't mean cheating. I'm not taking shots. I mean legit. They get used to how they're being pitched, and good hitters know how to attack. Because the Astros are having to go to the pin so much and they're having to use guys in stretches they weren't hoping not to use. You have a guy who injures his knee, your best arm, elbow, that isn't even on the roster yet. Uh, you know what I mean? It, it's a, um, I think now, because of injuries, I could see Boston winning it. But I actually feel like the um, Astros go get game three because of what you just said, that arrogance. They're going to go on the road and go, no, 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 no. Y'all hit two grand slams. It's never happened before in the first two innings of a playoff game. It ain't happening again. We got you. But the problem is the last three innings to me is must-see TV because 
these teams are going to start to eat on these bullpens the longer this series goes because they're both going to the pen so early. It'll be fun tonight, Braves and Red Sox. ESPN 1420, Brad Toppin, Mark. Astros, Red Sox. I'm sorry, what did I say? It won't be the Braves, Red Sox. What did yet. I say? Uh, no, yeah, said, Astros, no, 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 Astros, you, no, you, Red you Sox. You Braves in the World Series. It's okay. It's okay. Braves in the World Don't Series is on your mind. Don't do I, that. I know it hurts your heart. It's on your mind. Don't do that. Oh, yes, Astros, Braves. That'll be <laughs> that'll be a blast for me as, uh, as my friends all bicker with one another while they compete for a championship, something I'm – not very used to. Yep. Uh, Twenty-seven. Well, you have a Don't worry about it. Oh my God, man! The Pelicans. <laughs> it's such a weird. Like I got a Pelicans hoodie on. The season begins Wednesday, and I'm just. I've never been so. Maybe maybe it's maybe that's what they need. I've never been so doubtful and just. I don't know. Just just expecting the absolute can, worst. Can, can I give you something to make you feel a little bit better? About I don't yourself? know. Try. I'll try. Brandon Ingram has uh, talked a little more openly. They got the guy in there, and I got to believe the character of that guy, it seems, is pretty strong. They also drafted young guys who are defensive first who can happen happen to shoot. My point is maybe B.I. and these other guys, they start to follow B.I., and he has come to Jesus with Zion a little bit like, look, bro, we got to straighten this out here and now because I'm not going to be out of here in two years like you were going to try and be so to speak. You know what I mean? Brandon Maybe Ingram, I love Brandon kind of grabs a hold of those. Yeah. We're straightening this out. I, I, it's possible. I, I hope so, man, because Zion's hey, just glass half full, Kevin Foot. Glass half full. Uh, Come on. Jogging around out of breath. All right. Uh, Coach O, all that they did yesterday, Brad, was I, – I I, don't want to say – like no one's surprised that Coach Ogeron's going to be fired at the or, – or mutually agreed to part ways, whatever you – all the wording of it is just semantics, right, for contractual reasons yeah. and everything else. But everyone knew that he was going to be gone at the end of the season, and all they did, even after a wild win on Saturday, was just sort of take the heat off of the conversation. Um, it was being had everywhere already. I, I told multiple people they'll probably go to Coach O and tell him, hey, look, you're gonna we're going to move on at the end of the season. Do you want to – maybe step down, and, and he's not the kind of guy that's going to do that. He's going to say, no, I'm going to keep coaching. And so they just they announced it. They had a press conference where he just openly talked about it. It was a little unprecedented um, in some ways because he's still got at least five games left. But um, all it did was sort of, I guess, heat up the conversation that was already there. And uh, 19, what, $9 million this year's salary, and then – Nearly 17 mil of a buyout. I mean, just an enormous amount of money. Um, reports about his, quote, character, end quote, however you want to read into that, become more prevalent as soon as that gets announced. And that is just, you know, uh, unfortunately, that's just typical of uh, the day and age we live in. And, you know, none of those come out before or they're kind of on the surface. Now they're a lot more prevalent. You know who leaked it and why. It's all. It's all. It's it's all just part of this cycle. And the reality is, if if they were you know seven and zero and in the top five, none of that stuff would come out. But what do you think of Coach Joe? Kind of the rest of the season at LSU, and ultimately, um, who's going to replace him? Well, number one, let me go to Billy Napier's comment that your question that you asked him earlier. Napier said something that gets lost in the shuffle. And he said it without saying it. Don't forget, there's about a dozen assistant coaches with families, including three new guys, four new guys that came in that are now in flux. 
it's not about O, it's about the whole coaching staff uh-huh. now looking for new jobs. So, and that's something I think Billy was say, says it when you talk to him, he keeps talking about the whole organization. Don't let that get by you. That This ain't just about it. Um, the stuff you talk about with the reports, that, that's easy to me. I knew as soon as it happened, all the negative stuff would come out because you know what you can't write about now? Is Ed going to be fired? Is Ed out the door? Now he's out the door. You've got to find something to write about, mm-hmm. and so you're going to go with something else. So that doesn't surprise me. Um, I did watch the entire thing last night, and I'll tell you, that was surreal, Scott. That, that whole press conference was, was surreal. really weird. Um, it was. But you know what? We, I had heard, we had heard rumors that the buyout talks were in place after Kentucky, and they, he pretty much confirmed it last night that they met. Um, I'll say this. A friend of mine told me as soon as our athletic director was hired, I think if I'm a coach and my athletic director that hired me, Scott, the first thing I'm doing is get, getting those pods set up at my house so I can move because my job's going to – I'm going to lose my job. I, I, just, I just believe that. Um, Ed, it, it just it is what it is. But you know what? Give him credit for this. Scott, he's 60 years old. He's coached his entire life. And it, there's a lot of no fun that goes on, and he is a tireless recruiter. Now, guess what? He can go do whatever the heck he wants with his $80 million, $60, $70 million he's, probably, he's earning over this contract, and he can get out there and just do what he wants to do. And now he doesn't have to worry about fighting all this stuff, and he, he wants to run around with some young women. He's going to he's gonna go business. crazy. He's going to not work for a year, and he's going to go crazy. He's going to Yeah, go I think he is, and you know what? He'll be he, – People don't give Ed enough credit for the, as, to be because he's intelligent because of his accent. Let's just be honest. He's not getting the credit. Ed's going to do something good that he wants to do. Um, but for me and Woodard, look, Woodard, I, I'm not your, one of your previous callers. Woodward. Woodard yeah. is a home run hitter. Whether like his hire in baseball, I don't. I'm not fond of the guy. Great hire. Woodard is going to make a splash. Woodard knows who LSU is. As in, he's not going to be Joe Oliva. He's not going to be let it leak who he wants and then get hung out the dry as that person takes another job. Mm-hmm. I truly you know Woodard's good. And bottom line is, you, honestly, financially, the decision makes sense because if Ed's back next year, they're going to have less season tickets. People are apathetic. And it's just, I don't know. I think it was probably for LSU was the right decision. I don't like it, but it's the right decision. And the answer to who he gets, name anybody. Um, I will give you the one one of the names that's floated. Have you seen the reports about Franklin? Yeah, James Franklin. Um, that has been out there uh, quite a bit. I think Matt Moscona said that he's of the belief in people that he's talked to. They want to make a, a historic hire and hire a head coach that's a minority candidate to come in and not be a candidate, be the head coach at LSU. Um, you know, Franklin wanted Vanderbilt. Uh, he's done some big things at Penn State, so it would make it would make sense. It's not a surprise that he's you know there's about seven or eight names that are out there depending on what list you look at, and it's it's none of them are surprising. It doesn't mean that they've reached out to any of the agents of those guys, but it's the usual suspects. Napier is one of the eight, but it's it's all the names you'd expect to see on there, and and certainly James Franklin's name being on that list isn't a surprise. No, and one of the reasons I bring it up is because of his defensive coordinator, Brent Pry, former Cajun coach. Both of his brothers live in town. His wife's from Marine. It was well documented that, you know, Mama wanted to come home. Um, 
that I can guarantee you if, if Franklin's offered the job, Pry's coming with him. In fact, I think Pry might come home as opposed to taking over Penn State. He, he he, he's kind of he's also his name's also around the USC vacancy. He has I think the the right personality to to take over there. Um you know, I Penn State they might have a ceiling that isn't quite as high as as LSU's at least presently, which isn't I, I shouldn't Penn State's a good job, but yeah, he uh, Cristobal. I don't think Jimbo's leaving, but obviously the Woodward connect Woodward connection that's going to be out there. Uh, Mark Stoops, Mel Tucker, Lane Kiffin, Aranda, Luke Fickle, Joe Brady, Napier. All that's going to be out there. Um, I don't know where they're going, but you know, let let message boards have at it and go back and forth and and everything else. And there, I just do want to clear up one thing. There were some UL fans. Um, there was some, I guess, some confusion. Uh, on social media that Napier's contract in a buyout included that any school that would hypothetically hire him away, there the, the school then has to guarantee a home-and-home home in football, and that is that is not true. That is uh, that is not in the contract, just to clear that up. But I, I, don't, I don't know that he's um, at the top of their list. I, I know that he's at the top of UL's list, and, and he's doing amazing things at UL, and I know the Cajun fans are uh, certainly hoping that he keeps doing it because uh, they got a good one. But... It's a list of um, – I would say that when you look at all these lists, Brad, and it's the last thing I'll say before I let you go, I think the pool of candidates is deeper and stronger than it was several years ago when it was Oliva deciding, oh, I want Herman or I want you know this guy or, okay, I, I, I really wanted O the whole time when in reality he was the third or fourth candidate. I think the pool is deeper. I think you've got better leadership, obviously, with Woodward than you had with Oliva. And um, I think it'll be one of the biggest stories in college football uh, once you get to the very end of the regular season and certainly into December. I will tell you this. It is the, the list of candidates is everybody not named Nick Saban. And that's all I want to tell you. That, that's the list of candidates. People need to be, realize when they hear this, it's not going to be Billy Napier and it's not going to be Luke Fickle because no one's going to consider that a home run hire. And what and Woodard to this no point one. has been a home run higher guy. And when you I'm say home run, you guy. mean you mean giant splash nationally? Yes, because he I think I think Woodard. I think both of the guys you mentioned could win national titles, but that's just me. Oh no, no, no! They both could, and they both might be the two best coaches out there. But if Fickle goes anywhere, he's going to USC. His athletic director that hired him at Cincinnati is athletic director at USC. That's my opinion. Uh, but the thing is. LSU fans want some kind of home run. Remember, this man went to a state that has baseball players on the West Coast who has facilities and took him from a team that was actually in the World Series in Jay Johnson and brought him to Baton Rouge to compete in a conference that is murderer's row, just like in football. Baseball's murderer's row. So to say that he can't go get somebody that, oh, my God, I didn't know that guy even was considered leaving, I, I just think that it's going to be a home run home run as in a, a splash i should repeat i should say it like that billy napier and luke fickle are great coaches and they, go, they got a shot to win national titles at some point but the difference is i think i don't think lsu i don't think the lsu ego would allow you know what i mean i, I just don't i don't think the ego of some lsu people just like i never understood why blake anderson Good. wasn't a candidate at arkansas because jay walker told me that the, the egos at, that have checkbooks will never allow Arkansas State coach to be an Arkansas coach. 
I think the ego at LSU would never allow a UL coach, no matter how great he is. I don't think Cajun That's fans have an opinion. issue with that at all. And, um, you know, I think uh, in terms of not just G5 coaches, but coaches in college football, <clears throat> UL's got one of the best. And, um, you know, 42 years old, enjoyed talking to him last hour. For folks to miss it, I'll have it up for you on our website a little later this morning. But the big story in uh, in college football. All right, Brad, we'll let you run, man. Enjoy uh, enjoy the baseball tonight. I know your team isn't in it, but I know you'll be watching Astros Red Sox tomorrow. Braves Dodgers in the afternoon. Astros Red Sox in the evening. It's that time of year, October, man. And then the NBA season's tipping cool. off this week. You got football in the thick of it. Uh, oh yeah, final thing. STM Turlings. We talked about that matchup Friday. Forty-one thirty-five. That was a heck of a game on Friday. OT, man. You shouldn't expect anything different. Those two. That's a. Uh, that's just a great rivalry, and, and I'm glad to see it's continuing. Dane's got Turlings back to their proper place as a top program, and I hope he stays there. Dane's a great coach, and STM obviously with Hightower, who I love to death. So, yeah, that that you can't go wrong with those two schools. Appreciate the time, hey, my by friend. The way, go ahead. Hey, hold on. Don't forget my boy Figaro, Lafayette High. I used to work with Fig. Fig's getting some things done under the radar at Lafayette High. They're not a doormat anymore. Just got to give him a little credit. Absolutely, man. I mean, I, it, the name Figaro, if you live in Lafayette or you live in the area, you know it and you think sports and you think success. And it's, uh, yeah, he's, he's, he's getting it done there. Shout out to him. I'm glad, I'm glad you brought that up. Um, there's some good, some good high school football going on, but Lafayette High beaten Bar by what twenty one? I think that's uh, yep. that that all the praise, all the praise, no doubt. Hey, Fig is doing what was done at Northside High with a former coach. He's getting the kids out the hall and getting them to play hard. Don't bet against that man. Not turning them into somebody that will compete very soon with the powerhouse in Scott. Appreciate the time, Brad. All right, brother. Take care. Brad Topham of the Jambalaya Shop. Catch him in the day. Tops take at 2 o'clock. I'm Scott Prather, ESPN1420.com. Biggest surprise in the world of football yesterday and Saturday. We'll tell you next. Just a great Scott show. Don't go anywhere. ESPN1420. Into the great Scott show. Been a fun, fast paced show this morning. On a Monday uh, after a weekend of football, Major League Baseball playoffs, even with the Saints on a bye this week. And then next weekend, no, no Saints either on a Sunday. Saints will play a week from tonight against Seattle, who lost in 
uh, overtime last night at Pittsburgh, 23-20. to You had three overtime games. They were all entertaining, I would say. You had a close game in London between two uh, terrible football teams. Jacksonville won in their second home, their first win of the season, beat the Dolphins 23-20. Outside of that, it was some stinkers. Uh, Aaron Rodgers telling Bears fans, I own you, I've always owned you. That's actually kind of funny. Um, hey, man, lean into it. Lean into it. The The, the surprise, I guess, was I, I ex- even though they were traveling – to the East Coast, and it was an early game. I picked Baltimore to win, but the Chargers to cover, and and the Ravens just knocked the Chargers around. And then as far as as the Cardinals go, I mean, I, I think Baker Mayfield's pedestrian, but Arizona being able to just drive down the field, long drives, you know, 70-plus yards down the field to score on Cleveland and then shut down the Browns' rushing attack? The Cardinals, okay, all right, I believe you. It's taken a little while for me to buy in and say, okay, yep, you've got it. I believe you. They look. Case Keenum came in late. Man, man, oh, man. ESPN1420.com. Baker Mayfield re-injures his shoulder. He's not going to let it stop him from playing. Kyler Murray threw four touchdown passes. The Cardinals are the, they remain the only unbeaten team. It's their best start since they were in St. Louis back in the mid-70s. Oof. Very impressive on the road. Those are the big surprises for me. In college football, the big surprise isn't, you know, it's it's a thing we've talked quite a bit about. The fact that Coach Joe isn't, you know, not that he's going to be let go, but that he just announced it and then had a press conference about it. And then out of the Sun Belt, ULM, they were down two scores to Liberty. Come back and win. They are 3-1 and one overall. Excuse me. They are 3-3 three and three overall. To win against Liberty on a late 53-yard field goal, shout-out to Terry Bowden. I mean, that I think ULM is the hardest job in America, D1, F, FCS to win at. I do. Not trying to knock him. I mean, I this is a compliment to Coach Bowden. It really is. And ULM will be at UL uh, final game of the regular season on the Saturday after Thanksgiving. But, man, oh, man. I mean, did not did not expect that. Did not expect that one. So there were a number of surprises across college football as well. All right, let's head to the phone lines, 269-1077, Final segment here on the Great Scott Show on a Monday. Good morning. Welcome into the show. Hello. Josh, um, you got me this week. Uh, he didn't throw for 300. I don't think he even passed for 200. So um, you won this week, Josh. And uh, that's all I have to add. Thank you. All right. Callers going back and forth. I think that was a Lamar Jackson reference. Getting back to the surprises in college football. Um, you know, I would say in the Sun Belt, that was 
the uh, the bigger surprise. I think you know you had if if you wanted to, I guess Troy's win over Texas State, a close game, not a big surprise. South Alabama on on uh, Thursday last week just demolishing Georgia Southern, the margin of victory, and a little bit of a surprise. But I, I don't know that there were weren't a ton of big surprises out there. Really weren't. Um, Georgia just reminded everybody they're still, they're currently the best team in college football. Kentucky rolling in there, ranked, what, 11th? Game was a snoozer. The, 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 the most entertaining game probably in college football all weekend was Tennessee Ole Miss, and it was because of the, the horror show at the end of it. I mean, genuinely like nerves watching as they gather at midfield with 54 seconds left and things are just being thrown out onto the field at Nayland Stadium. And you're like, my God, they they may charge the field and just try to try to get after go after Lane Kiffin. This thing could get ugly. And it did. And then Lane Kiffin's just out there tweeting jokes afterwards and trying to add some brevity to the whole situation. The SEC said they're going to look into it. Look into their policies. See about potential punishment. If you're going to fine a team a quarter of a million dollars for charging the field and pulling a goalpost down, there there has to be some measure of punishment when people's lives are at jeopardy. There has to be. There has to be a statement that comes out here. You cannot allow what happened on Saturday night to happen again because if you don't do anything, the next time something like that happens, of course. Shout out to Lane Kiffin for his hands as well. Snatching that bottle out of the air as he's walking in. ESPN 1420. Tomorrow, working on a couple of guests. Don't have them quite lined up yet, so don't want to spoil it. I can tell you my man Jay Walker will be in studio with me from 8 to 9. We'll do a little TTT. We'll talk about the situation. At UL, we'll talk about the situation. In Baton Rouge, we'll talk college football. We'll talk Coach Napier. We'll talk a little college hoops as well. It's all coming your way tomorrow. Big thanks to Billy Napier for joining me on the show today. If you missed the interview, it'll be up on our website later this morning. Big thank you to Brad Topham as well. Have a great one, everybody. I'm Scott Prather. This is ESPN 1420. ESPN20.com and the ESPN 1420 app. We'll be right back.